welcome to this episode of STATS, the podcast where we share the accomplishments of the Department of Surgery at Baylor Scott White Medical Center in Temple, Texas. I'm your host, Dr. Lonnie Gentry. The STATS podcast is sponsored by Dr. Harry Papa Constantino, the chair of the Department of Surgery. With this episode, we continue our series on robotics and surgery by discussing the use of robotics in general surgery. To do so, I've invited Dr. Stephen Abernathy to talk with me today. Dr. Abernathy completed his residency here at Temple and, after some time in Abilene, Texas, has been on staff here in Temple for the last 13 years. Dr. Abernathy, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So to start our discussion, can you tell us the story of why you became a physician and ended up as a surgeon? Well, it's a long story, but um, pretty common. To I had no f- surgeons or medical family in, in my family. And uh, as I was going through high school, I had a gr- huge interest in anatomy and biology and followed that through my undergrad and found that I loved working with my hands and some instant gratification that you could achieve with uh, uh, finding a problem and surgically fixing it. And became a surgeon and here at Scott and White and went through my training and, and did not do a fellowship. Ended up in Abilene and was doing bread and butter general surgery. But I also did a significant amount of endoscopy and minimally invasive surgery there in private practice and was actually recruited back here to, to kind of further surgical endoscopy and be a, an important part of the resident education for that. Of course, got here and because I could do everything, I ended up being kind of trapped in the trauma critical care or trauma acute care surgery realm for a little longer than I wanted, but finally got to focus my energy and time and kind of expanding endoscopic and minimally invasive surgery. And that ultimately led to my interest in robotic surgery. Mm-hmm. So what specific surgeries do you focus on these days? Mostly uh, is still bread and butter general surgery, mostly gallbladders, but most recently, just because of sh- a shortage and in, in the need, I've done a significant amount of, uh, of hernia surgery and abdominal wall reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And of these different areas, what procedures are you making use of the robot? Mostly with uh, inguinal hernia and then complex uh, uh, and simple uh, ventral and midline abdominal hernias. So tell us the difference between inguinal and ventral. An inguinal is what you classically, the layperson would call, I have a hernia or bulge down in my groin. A more of a an abdominal wall would be more, I have a, a belly button hernia or a hernia above my belly button or below my belly button. And it usually, while it can be acquired, oftentimes as a result of a previous surgery that then re- resulted mm-hmm. in, uh, in a hernia, mm-hmm. an incisional hernia. The difference in the groin hernias versus a, a midline hernia is a, in the groin region, you're usually, uh, you've got a tear in one of the muscles. Uh, one of the layers of muscle that doesn't go all the way through. And so there's three layers of muscles that there's a tear in one of them. Whereas usually in the midline, most times it's just a tear in between the rectus muscles. And so you're only repairing one layer of muscle. So do you use the robot for a groin hernia? Yes. For the last two years, probably fixed over 225 inguinal hernias when you consider both sides. Prior to that, in the 20, almost 20 years, probably fixed over a thousand inguinal hernias open. 
and had even done some minimally invasive laparoscopic hernias. But prior to the advent of the robot and the benefits that I feel that all surgeons and the patient receives from that, I just was not as happy with my long-term results and in short-term results laparoscopically. I've been very pleasantly surprised that all the, the, the problems I encountered with laparoscopic have pretty much gone away. And it's much, I feel like I give a much better hernia repair robotically now than I ever did open and definitely better than I did laparoscopically. Mm-hmm. That mostly has to do with the ability to articulate the instruments in a robotic platform versus what you can do in a laparoscopic platform. It also has to do with the optics in a robotic platform where we have 3D vision that allows you to see the anatomy. And then several other things that just have improved over the last 20 years that I just feel like it's such a better operation. So when I was in high school, I had a simple groin hernia repair. It's been over 40 years ago. So what's the difference between what they did for me. Unfortunately, I haven't had any trouble with it. Do you know if they use any mesh? It would have been right at the, about the time they were using mesh or they may not have. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That's Yeah, I wasn't in the loop in that respect. But compare what you do now with a robot to what I experienced then. I'm assuming that then they made an incision in your groin, and it was probably anywhere from four inches to six inches mm-hmm. in length. Mm-hmm. Um, they then opened up the outermost layer of muscle and then exposed where the blood supply goes to and from your testicle. And either attached to that would have been a hernia sac, which would have been and including some fat that may have herniated through, or in the two layers of muscles that were behind that, there may have been a tear that then they either repaired with sutures material, which most likely would have been permanent, and tried to reconstruct that muscle, and then closed all that back. A little more recently, we found that that with just sewing the muscle back together, the muscle just tears somewhere else. Mm. And so most people in groin hernias now use some kind of mesh, unless you're just a child and are born with a hernia. And that's Mm. kind of a different discussion. But any acquired hernia and anyone above probably 16, most people are getting some kind of mesh to reinforce that muscle because the muscle will just tear somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Now, that's pretty open and invasive and damages a lot of tissue. Let's compare that to laparoscopic. Very uncomfortable, as I recall. Let's compare that to laparoscopic or even robotic. And let me describe how I do it robotically. Just above your belly button, I make basically three incisions that are a little bit bigger than the width of your thumb, right about eight millimeters, so less, and um, blow your belly out with CO2 gas, then lets me look at the inside lining of your abdominal cavity. There is a, a cell layer that's called the peritoneum that we're able to open up and dissect it free from your muscles and thereby take the hernia sac and anything that's herniated through the tear in the muscle pull it away from the muscle and develop a space there. We're then able to put a bigger piece of mesh than I've ever been able to put mm-hmm. in one somebody open. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to put a lot of sutures or any sutures in the muscle. And it blocks that tear in the muscle. And at least the 
type of mesh I use, it either needs minimal sutures or maybe one suture to keep it in place. But ultimately, half of that dissolves, but then your muscle and body scars into it. We then close the lining of the abdominal cavity so that the mesh is never, never comes in contact with any of your in, intestines, and that essentially fixes the hernia. What I found is that the postoperative pain and the, op- and the use of opioids and pain pills after this operation is pretty much cut down to almost the minimal amount, maybe 24 hours, maybe 48 hours at max. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of patients can even get by and just Tylenol and Advil. Now, you take somebody with a six-inch incision in their groin and all the cutting of tissue and cutting of muscle that had to be sewn back together and the swelling that can result from that and have them just take Tylenol and Advil and they're not very happy with mm. you. When I did open surgery, I found that oftentimes I would tell my patients, we're not really going to be friends and again <laughs> until a month. At two weeks, you're not going to dislike me as much, but it'll take two weeks before you dislike me. Most of my patients now robotically are usually happy in about 48, 72 hours after, and, and that's when they get a phone call from my nurse practitioner. And when I see them within a week or we see them within a week, they're all extremely happy off medicine. Now, that's for the vast majority. And as far as chronic pain from a hernia repair, I do feel that it's significantly also improved simply because we're not having to cut and not having to have as much scar tissue form. Uh, with the minimally invasive um, techniques. That's a whole other ball of wax where you're talking about reconstructing the abdominal wall and some of the things that we can now do robotically and all the various ways we can fix incisional and ventral wall hernias. And it all depends on where you're going to put the mesh and and then what are the long-term complications or potential complications from mesh and the, the robot has definitely given me operations that used to be very, very big operations that require multiple days in the hospital so that I could reconstruct the abdominal wall and put mesh in where I felt like is the safest place for it to be, which is not on the intestine, but somewhere in the abdominal wall, specifically beneath the rectus, behind the rectus muscle or in the preperitoneal space. That was impossible to do very easily without really large incisions with open surgery and almost impossible to do it laparoscopically or definitely would hurt your surgeon and the patient and take too long, which now I can do robotically and be ergonomically for me much better and still have those three little small incisions. It has definitely changed my entire outlook on hernia repair and hernia and, and the various types of hernia uh, repairs that I do now. But I also see lots of benefit in other intra-abdominal surgery. So it sounds like the robot has really changed the game for you. It's definitely changed the game for me as far as what I can do. We kind of went through this long progression of trying to fix ventral hernias, minimally invasive, and not having that great of long-term results that I'm just not seeing same, some of the same problems robotically that I did. And some of it's because the most important thing seems to be is to not have a mesh that's bridged over an open space. And we never had a great way laparoscopically to close the muscle 
and then put a piece of mesh underneath or in the muscle that then didn't cause chronic pain. And so a lot of times our mesh would then balloon through an open defect and, and lead to recurrence or where the mesh was secured lateral on the abdominal wall, it lead to a, a tear in the muscle in another hernia. And because of just the way that which we're able to sew the muscle back together and then sew the mesh in such that it does, it's not on tension, but then buttresses a way that we would normally close the muscle open in an open surgery has made a, a definite difference, I think, in pain, both postoperatively and chronic pain. Mm-hmm. So. so what percentage of your procedures would you say you're doing with the robot now? Probably 95% of my any complex hernia and the only inguinal hernia that I usually will recommend someone get it done open is if they've had lots of complex intra-abdominal surgery that will, might run into scar tissue that really doesn't make it worth it. We used to have a, it'd be contraindicated if you've had previous prostatectomy or pelvic surgery, but I found that, that even with that now, with a robotic prostatectomy, we're still able to fix inguinal hernias uh, robotically. And that's in it, despite going kind of in the same kind of plane. But the optics and the ability to dissect out that has actually been easier than I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. So there's really not many surgeries now that you do open. N- not many at all. I, st- I still do my most of my gallbladder surgeries open simply because of the way with which I do it. I have not been able to, at least at this stage in the robotic platforms that we have available to make it as equal as from a pain standpoint and fast and and an operative time standpoint and then cost standpoint. Mm -hmm. But I believe at least in the hernia realm met all those challenges and and exceeded them. But I'll continue to revisit that. Uh Now, foregut and benign colon surgery, I also compared to how difficult that was laparoscopically the robotic platform is so much easier on the surgeon. I believe, once again, the patient gets a better repair or equal, a definitely an equal repair, if not a better repair. And I can do it with even less incisions and less less equipment. Mm-hmm. So you said you were the surgeon, uh, the robotic champion for the residents? One of them. Uh-huh. Um, our robotic history here at Scott and White really kind of started off with it primarily being dominated by the urologist, which was, that's kind of how the, the most of the robotic platforms, not to give any advertisement, uh, were geared towards. And then relatively in the last decade, it really became a much more accepted for foregut surgery and much more accepted for colon surgery specifically colorectal. There's always been a little bit of an access problem of having the ability to get on and have access to a robot. But some of those hurdles we've slowly been able to to change. And as of last year, we graduated, of the residents we graduated, they all ended up getting enough um, time on the robot to actually get through our robotic curriculum, which we've developed 
and to have the ability to have privileges if they went out in private practice. Mm-hmm. So in a two-year period of time, we went from basically having two and a half robots to now we, as of today, we have four. And these are the newer, the, the XI, the newer models and significantly improvement in our access and our access to our residents. Mm-hmm. So that's a big commitment by the hospital to have that many yes, robots. That plus the model with which the there's there's become an agreement between hospitals and let's say industry that is starting to recognize how beneficial this can be for everyone. And the barriers to access I think are rapidly going away. They're changing the model such that you don't necessarily always have to buy, completely buy a robot and then somehow reap the profits to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a little change in the way people think, I think, for the greater good. So you spoke a little bit to that, but I'll, I'll go ahead and ask this question. How does being here at the hospital at Temple facilitate your surgical practice and your use of the robot? Well, the fact that there's been a constant strive for improved quality, both patient satisfaction and physician satisfaction, has allowed us to go ahead and in certain areas at the right time, expand and be more cutting edge. You could have asked three years ago, if you had asked our residents and and some of our staff, we might have been falling behind a little bit. We brought that attention and opportunities to present themselves, and we were able to very rapidly start to compete, I believe, especially in the robotic platform, with any other major academic institution. And I I feel really blessed that we're in a very short period of time, we were able to not have that good of a robotic program to suddenly being in a a time where we're really starting to flourish. So what would you say to the average, and I don't know what average necessarily is, but just a patient not that exposed to technical world, maybe a little bit older, what would you say to them about coming here to Temple to have a robotic procedure? They're a little apprehensive. How do you deal with that? Well, I I basically explain to them that I know what you think of as a robot is is, is somebody else, is some artificial intelligence operating on me. The reality of of what we call a robot is it really is just an instrument that we put a computer in between us that allows us to take away some of our tremor, that allows us to have better vision, but there is a human, a surgeon, moving all the instruments, and the only thing that's any different is that it, it makes that movement better. And, and that's why when I used to try to explain the difference between open and laparoscopic, it was always very hard because you mean you're going to use a camera and you're not going to be, no, your surgeon is still physically at your bedside. They're physically touching the instruments that are getting, putting, put it inside safely into your body. And then they're going to a console that then allows them to move those instruments in a safe. And I feel better manner. And the robot never does anything on its own. Not at all. It is strictly what you are telling it to do. Telling it 
still fully in charge. So what do you see down the road for the use of the robot? Well, one of the things that got me so interested in, in the robot, coming from where I, where I started and what I wanted to do when I came back here 13 years ago, was if you think back, that's when there was a big bunch of push about notes. What is notes? Notes is basically natural orifice surgery. In other words, using one of our, our mouth or any of our entry points to allow us to do surgery. I've always felt that endoscopic surgery is the next forefront and that we're, we're, we just needed a computer and a kind of two technologies to get close enough together to allow us to do that. The laparoscopic versions of that never really took, took hold and we never could get any good results. We are really close to having a combination and there are combination endoscopic robotic platforms that are going to just get better. And eventually everything that I'm talking about with doing three incisions is going to be one incision. And whether that incision is still through the abdominal wall or whether that incision is down your mouth and through your stomach into your abdominal cavity, I foresee a time that that's the way most surgery will be done. Most likely down your throat, into your stomach. Mm -hmm. And that is actually occurring in some lung surgery now. And that model is out there. And there is a single incision robotic platform that's out there. Mm -hmm. It's really only useful in some head and neck and some urologic procedures as of right now. And opportunities to, once again, imagine another way to get better at taking care of patients are right around the corner. Mm -hmm. So it's better for the patient. And we haven't really talked about this, but kind of alluded to it. Better for the surgeon because there's a lot of physical demands for the surgeon. Yes. Standing for long periods of time at a bedside, whether you're doing open surgery or doing laparoscopy, we never really got into figuring out how to ergonomically make it better for the surgeon and set the longevity of the surgeon um, without developing neck problems, cervical problems, disc problems, back problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can pretty much talk to any surgeon that's been a very busy practicing surgeon for more than 15 years. They all have had back problems, neck issues, Mm -hmm. and that cuts down on the longevity. And it takes way too long to train a surgeon not to have... Mm -hmm them continue. And most don't have to retire, but there's been many that have had to retire because of just poor ergonomics. Mm-hmm. And the laparoscopy, which was great for the patient, was not very good for the most surgeons. Mm-hmm. So this is all looking good. Better. Yeah, better. Yeah. It better can still get better, but it's, yeah. it's definitely better. Progress is being made. That's been a fascinating discussion, Dr. Abernathy. Thanks for talking with me today. I wish you the best in your practice and that you just continue to develop this platform for the good of the patients and your attempt. All right. Thank you very much. You bet. All right. That concludes this episode of Stats. Be on the lookout for the next episode of Sharing the Accomplishments of Temple Surgery when we continue our discussion of robotics and surgery.